Hey everybody, welcome to episode 67 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What is up everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. We are a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. My name is Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we got a we got a split decision today. I'm going to get get it out there early <laughs> that uh this is going to be a, a back and forth one I think. And I didn't think it would it would really be like that. Actually, I thought it'd be we'd be on opposite sides after the preview. Oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. You want to tell them what we're talking about? We're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, story of Queen and Freddie Mercury. Uh probably doesn't need a lot of introduction, honestly. Right. People know who Queen is. R is R. R they. I don't know. Queen is singular, but it's a band, so is it plural? My my English is failing me. <laughs> <laughs> the the Beatle is plural. Queen is I have no no clue. It has to be R, right? Because it's a band. Queen R. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Just in case you need any kind of background, singer Freddie Mercury, Brian Guitarist May, drummer Roger Taylor, and bass guitarist John Deacon take the music world by storm when they form the rock and roll band Queen in 1970. Hit songs become instant classics. When Mercury's increasingly wild lifestyle starts to spiral out of control, Queen soon faces its greatest challenge yet, finding a way to keep the band together amid the success and excess. Directed by Brian Singer. Kind of. Kind of. So we talked about this in the preview, but this movie suffered from development hell for years. I forgot what the exact timeline is now, but Sasha Baron Cohen was attached to it to star as Freddie Mercury, I think like six years ago. I was thinking more like 10, a 10 year time frame and development. And then, yeah. Yeah, So sometime between Sasha Baron Cohen and Rami Malek, there's a few other people that were going to be involved uh, from the standpoint of playing Freddie Mercury. Queen, the band, is producing the movie, so they had a big say in how this was all going to play out. Which I think you can tell. Oh, yeah. It's very much, and you can tell which band members <laughs> were, were still were, involved. We're running yeah. the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then from a director standpoint, you know, we mentioned Brian Singer, but he directed the bulk of it and then got kicked off. Uh, with I think they said like 16 days left in shooting, and they brought in Dexter Fletcher to finish it. Right. And, but Brian Singer is getting the director's credits. Yeah, because he has the majority of... Yeah. And I will say, the other movie that you and I talked about that has a similar kind of background as this would be Justice League, where Zack Snyder got kicked off towards the end, I think. Actually, yeah. it wasn't. It was very much the end. Yeah, and then... Joss Wheaton came in and reshot a bunch of stuff and tried to put it all together. Right. And I think we both felt like in that movie you could feel the tension between the two visions that were that were going there. Yeah, you could, it was you definitely could, a conflicted view. Right. And it didn't help that the reshoots had Cavill's mustache. <laughs> so you clearly knew, right, reshoot, reshoot, reshoot. You could yeah. you could literally pick it out right. as you went. And because of the reshoots, even the the graphics didn't have time to keep up with them. And right. so they're they hurt. Yeah. So the reason I bring that movie up is because it's an example of one that I think we both felt like two directors, you could just feel the clash as you watch the movie. And I will say that for this having two directors, it it felt pretty smooth. I didn't notice anything off kilter from my perspective where I was like, okay, that feels like that was all Brian Singer and that was all Dexter Fletcher. And given I don't know Dexter Fletcher's style yeah. and Brian Singer's is so vanilla that he could be anybody. Yeah, I don't know if I could identify one right. way or the other. But I guess I felt like there wasn't any like there wasn't any tonal shifts throughout the movie. They didn't well, change things so drastically that you felt whiplash from that. So it, it well, felt like they stayed to their vision. No, I agree. But like in Justice League, Snyder has such a unique style that yeah, you can tell when it's not him. Yeah, you know, and when it is him. And so here, again, like you said, they're pretty plain Jane, if you will styles that uh i guess they do mesh okay together seemed like it yeah so from a cast standpoint we have rami malek like we said playing freddie mercury Gwillem lee ben hardy joseph mazello 
who I did not know this. I knew as I was watching him, he plays John Deacon, the bassist. I was like, man, I've seen this guy somewhere. Where have I seen this guy? <laughs> and my wife and I talked about it afterwards. It's like, I have, I have no idea. What, where, where do I recognize this guy? And so I Googled it uh, while we were preparing for this podcast. And he's the little boy from Jurassic Park. I had no idea. I did not know that. Yeah. And Timmy? Uh-huh. Yeah. The brother and sister from the first movie. He's the boy. Okay. Yeah. Timmy. Yeah. So then there's also Lucy Boynton, which basically none of these guys are overly big except for Rami Malek. But then you have Aiden Gillen, Littlefinger, Peter Baelish showing up as a record exec. And then you have a Mike Myers cameo in there. Right. So I had to, I had to at least include those guys. <laughs> so my big takeaway from this movie, and I, I kind of know where you're going to go, but uh, you know, we'll just dive right into it. I think that. It's it's a fine movie. There's nothing there's nothing overly wrong with it. My problem, I think, is best summed up by saying it, it stayed too surface level for me. It it kind of dove in here and there, but it never really wanted to like immerse you in anything deep as far as the story goes. I felt like it it was the band's way of saying, "Here's our timeline. We have to go from 70, 1970, or maybe a little bit before, to the Live Aid performance in '85." So we have 15 years to cover, we have lots of hits to cover, and we're going to have to go fast. So we can't lollygag and dive too deep on any one thing. So let's just hit all the checkpoints. Here's our checklist of things that we want to hit. And let's check them off and let's go. And that's what that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, and I can see that. And I view this as more of a Queen tribute movie. Uh, not necessarily a Freddie Mercury biopic that puts you... Let's deep dive and uncover the secrets and the dirt behind everything. You know, it was more of a, this is our story. And, and, and like, yes, they, they stayed more surface level, but I got a lot out of it. Just, I didn't know I'm a Queen fan just because I know the songs. But, I mean, who doesn't? Right. I mean, everybody does, but right. I, but I, did, I had no idea about the history of Queen yeah. at all. And so, like, I thought Freddie Mercury's first name was Freddie. I knew Mercury wasn't his name, but I didn't know he changed yeah. his, from Farouk, you know, to Freddie. You know, that was new information for me. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit different than what I thought I was getting. Right. Um, but I just thought that uh, it was what it tried to be. And I enjoyed oh, it for I, what it was. I will agree with that. And there's been a lot of conversation on the internet this past week about movie criticism and how... Uh, I follow another podcast pretty closely, uh, Feel and Film, and they have a discussion group on Facebook. And one of the questions they threw out there was this concept of when you watch a movie and you critique it, are you critiquing it for what it is or what you wanted it to be? And my, I'd be interested to hear your take on it because my initial reaction was, I don't think it's possible to not critique something in a way that has your expectations in it. Well, and we, we talk about that a lot on my perspective, mainly with comic book movies is I'm always disappointed because it doesn't do what I was hoping for it to do. And that's why we have our two views is we can watch it again for what the actual movie right. is. Um, a movie like this, I didn't have any expectations for it. And we talked about in our preview, I was pretty like, meh, you know, it's going to be the story of queen and okay. Um, and so I didn't have a, a lot of, gosh, I really hope that they do this in it. While maybe Queen mega fans would have more of that. Uh, I was just going with a kind of more of a blank slate of just give me something good. Sure. I, I think Queen mega fans, which I'm a Queen fan. The two albums I can remember, greatest hits albums I can remember seeing in my parents' vinyl record collection. One was the Eagles and one was Queen. I can still picture <laughs> the album cover. And, and my parents loved to listen to the classic rock station here in Kansas City when we grew up, 101 The Fox. 101, yeah. It was always on. So I, I've known Queen. I feel like there's never been a time where I've never known Queen. Like There's people our age who didn't know them until Wayne's World. Right. But I, I've I've always known queen I, I i'm not like a, a super fan i couldn't recite you their entire discography and their album history but i know more than just the hits but i'm not one of those people and if you are one of the super fans i think there's some stuff here that's going to irritate you because it's with a biopic you don't always have to be entirely factual but i think sometimes when you just 
when you're, it almost feels like it's lazy. Like they, they reconstructed some of the timelines to make things work dramatically. And I think they're kind of small things in a way, but it's enough to irritate you. Cause like, why, why did you do that? Why did you have to change that? Yeah. And I think they, they do that with almost every movie. Yeah, they do. You know, and, uh, uh, we had just talked about first man and we, we had gone, gone through the comparisons offline, you know, of, of these two movies. And when, uh, one of the things, you know, was Neil, leaving the bracelet you know that that's not something that that he did but it fit the story and so changing some of the things well uh, they don't know they, if he did that they don't know that he did that but they also just made it up for the movie no they were <laughs> not to get off track they said that his family members and some of the people closest to him believe he left something of his daughters on the moon but, now, they, but they don't know what it is. No, or, but I mean, but that's that's pretty that's fairly accurate given what you know. Changing the order in which albums came out for Queen or songs came out for Queen, that's I mean, that's definitive. Everybody can look up that. So when you get stuff like or when Freddie had AIDS is a big one. That's well, when he told the world he had AIDS, and so so. That's, but by all accounts, from interviews with the band, the announcement yeah. of him having AIDS did not come before Live AIDS. Sure, but this is clearly a story first. You know, sure. Accuracy second. Right. You know, like most of most of these that we get. Right. And I'm not saying bringing any of this up in terms of it bothered me. I mean, I thought it was kind of dumb, but it, I didn't affect my outtake. But what we were talking about was, would super fans have a problem with it? And I think, oh, yeah, some sure. super fans are going to be like, what? Why would you do that? Super fans have a problem with anything. That's you know? true. And, and as a super fan of comic book movies, I have a problem with a lot, <laughs> a lot of things that they do. And, yeah. You know, Star Wars, you know, we have a lot of sure. problems with it. Yeah. But and, even generically, it's sort of like, really, did you have to move the AIDS thing up, you know, before Live Aid to give Live Aid some more narrative boost? I mean, I, I can... think it was more Live Aid. I think that they wanted to end with Live Aid, but they also wanted to have him telling the band. And so that they were okay with it, but we also didn't want to have another scene after life because that was such a great finale for the movie. Sure, that they needed to. And they go, okay, we'll just bump well, it, and then they they cover themselves by don't tell anybody else. Well, and my theory <laughs> you know? about it was that they didn't do enough narratively with the story to have to give Live Aid the impact that it should have because it's a good finish, but story wise, it just kind of doesn't have this momentous occasion type feel to it. So how do you give it a momentous type feel? You tell him, have him tell the band that he's got AIDS and this is like probably one of their last big hurrahs in front of everybody. So. And see, and I going back to my experience with queen, if you said name three queen songs, that's probably all I would come up with. But then, as I hear all of them, I was like, oh, yeah, of course that's Queen. Right. You know, like like every, oh, yeah, of course that's Queen. <laughs> but, yeah. but if you asked me just to list it, I wouldn't have come up with very many. But as soon as I hear the song, I was like, yeah, obviously. And so those, and, and most of this that we talked about was a, again, this is a tribute. It's like a greatest hits, you know, that that they play in this yeah. in this movie. Um, You're stealing my line now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I know you've mentioned that. Yeah. And so that that's one of the things that that I enjoyed when some people knock on it. Right. And and that was that was something that's like, oh yeah, I, I want to hear the origin of that song. Sure. And that was a a a point that really jumped out to me that that I enjoyed every time they did that. And again, I, I've seen some people argue that that's they wish there was less of that. Um. You know, maybe. I my problem with the scenes that they have for how they came up with the songs was that it just felt too again check marky obligatory there's no momentum towards the building of a song it's just we're, we're having some scenes with queen and we're going along and then we're going to cut to a scene in the in the studio and we're going to have them just coming up with the all the vocals for bohemian rhapsody right and they figure it out and they throw it on tape and it's perfect and then we go on with the movie a little bit more a little bit more and then we're going to cut to a scene out of nowhere where they're in the studio waiting for Freddie and Brian is wanting to do the stomp, stomp, clap for We Will Rock You. Again, no really creative back and forth, no understanding of how Queen came up with these songs. We're just going to cut to it. We're going to show that Brian came up with this one because Freddie really came up with Bohemian, right? Right. Then we go, 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 go. And then we'll come back a little bit later and we'll just cut to another random scene where Freddie's late and he's coming back in and John Deacon has this idea for a bass line. He just starts playing it like, Oh, what's that? Oh, it's another one bites of dust. Here we go. Do, 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 do. And you know, and we're on. And so there's really no understanding of what it took to come up with those songs. It's just sort of obligatory here. We want to make sure that, you know, that John came up with the bass line for another one bites the dust and 
Freddie got Bohemian Rhapsody and Brian got We Will Rock You. So we want to make sure that's all out there. But I get it. it. It was a way for them to quickly do it. But, you know, it never really felt like, oh, man, that's so cool how they came up with it. It was just sort of like, here it is right here on the silver platter. Like everything. And, and that goes to a bigger point, I guess, for me about the movie is that they there's not a lot of conflict, really. I mean, Queen just sort of erupts on the scene and they think they're the best band in the world. They become the best band in the world. and you know, there's never any strife for them to get where they're going. The only strife that ever really shows up is either in Freddie's personal life or when he, you know, another thing that Queen fans will probably have a problem with when he goes to make a solo album. You know, it's, they took the creative process away from the band and it never really felt like those big, huge songs that we know. It just felt like, oh, they were just another day at the office for Queen. Well, I, I disagree with that. I, I enjoyed when they, when they came up with those songs and they they seem like, that's just how the band did it. You know, like all of a sudden you get a baseline, like how do we, let's turn this into a song. You but know? it never and really showed them like evolving over any of it. Right. It was just sort of Freddie had the idea for all the vocals of Bohemian and John had the idea for the baseline. And then they just, boom, they were there. And then and even in the movie, as soon as you hear and they get to like a little bit of what the song is going to be, they cut to a live performance of the song. So there's no, I mean, those those scenes are only a couple minutes long each. There's no and there's no build up to them. Well, and they they even talk about it of them bouncing ideas, you know, back and forth and pushback and whatnot. And I think showing them work together, like he, the "We Will Rock You," they have the well, what are the lyrics to it? You know, as they're as they're trying to figure that out. And yeah, they they skip part of that, but again, it's a what two hour plus movie already. You know, and like you said, they're trying to get through a lot of songs and a lot of material, but I think just them coming up with those songs and them going back and forth, that was the, the fun of the movie for me. I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I, I just think that if you're going to make a movie about a band and some of their iconic songs, you want a little bit more than just a couple of minute scenes in the well, studio well, over how they came well, up with What they stuff. did with Bohemian Rhapsody, they went off off into the countryside and to their... But that really wasn't them coming up with that song, right? It was it was them getting ready for an album. But the 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 construction of that song was just like, again another two or three minute scene. And and again, I'm not saying that scene had to be massively long. My problem was that it wasn't Bohemian was set up pretty well because you had this idea of they'd had the conversation with the record executive about a six all minute the song all the different and styles. yeah. So right. Bohemian actually was set up. Which pretty, is the name of the movie. Pretty well, right. But then when you get to your other songs, you just, again, got to check it off the list. Got to get that greatest hit song. Well, there are so many songs, you know? And so I think they, Sure, but... how many times do you want them to go dive into it as much as they did Oh, Bohemian? Uh, and so every, every song? You well, know, but again, what I'm saying... Be... Sure, but what I'm saying is then either cut back some of the songs... Or dive deeper on a few a narrower sliver, but when you choose to stretch it out over fifteen years and an entire greatest hits chronology, you're, you're gonna the longer you stretch something, the thinner it gets, and that's what happened to this movie. And these are examples of it. like Bohemian. Fine, that one was done well. So either you know leave the other ones alone or find a different way to do it. But I just I didn't like the idea that you just kind of hopped in and hopped out of these recording sessions and you know, oh we we created We Will Rock You in two minutes and everything came together just fine. It maybe they did. Did they? I, I don't know. know. It it's possible. I highly doubt it. It's typically I would say most <laughs> bands probably don't say that, you know, their signature songs came together totally in a matter of minutes. So again, I get what you're saying that this movie was not a dive deep biopic by any means. That's not what it was trying to be. But when it stays so surface level and it, uh, you said this, but you stole it from me. So now I'm going to say it. But (laughs) when it feels like a visual retelling of a greatest hits album, it's just sort of like, that's not really why I go see biopics, right? I want to learn so much more. I want to feel emotionally tied to this, these people in a way that I never knew before and I didn't feel like that really happened with... You didn't get that from Freddie? No, I mean, I I didn't know that he was married or had a fiancé. I, I can't remember if he married her. So no, I didn't know that. I didn't either. But outside of that, and even then, it didn't really dive overly deep into any of that. That was the one area where they did try to go deeper. But it still kind of... It didn't have a, a resonating 
message. It wasn't something like when you watch Ray and go through Ray Charles' struggle and you feel like more emotionally invested in that. Same with Joaquin Phoenix and playing Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. It's just this movie didn't want to get you there is all I'm saying. And, and to your point, I don't think it wanted to get there. No, and I, I think it was more of Queen than Freddie Mercury. A movie. I mean, yes, it. I mean, Freddie Mercury is is Queen, um, and that's what people. That's what the story is. But again, it was more about the band than him, personally. Yeah, but they they did you know, trying to kind of put this in the trailer of the only thing more crazy than their ride was his story or whatever they said on that. That's that's trailer guy though. Sure, but, <laughs> and, but, but, but yeah, I, and the band needs to be honest about the fact that how big of a deal Freddie was in pop culture. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole band yeah. was, yes, but Freddie was a life of his. It's like saying, it, it would be like a movie coming out about the Jacksons and assuming that people want to watch a movie about the Jacksons. Well, you might, but really you want to know about Michael. Or Joe. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know. You, you no, see, it's, he, it's you see him in the scenes it's where he beats Tito. Michael. Right. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I thought they did a great job of addressing his conflictions with his sexuality um, without it being the entire movie. And they, they showed him throughout from a young age all the way, all the way through about him not knowing what he was. And then also even with how he dealt with AIDS, according to the band, I guess. Yeah. Um, where they, they touched on it, but it wasn't the, the movie. It wasn't the movie called Freddie has AIDS, you know, right. or Freddie is gay. It's just a part of what happened to Queen. Sure, and, and I think that's, I think they didn't shy away from it. I think they they took it head on, but I don't know how much time people wanted them to spend on things like that. Uh, and I, like I said, I get that they tried to go a little bit deeper on Freddie. I just don't think it connected because they had to intersplice that with so much of everything else that's going on in the band's life. Right? It, it, it's not a movie about Freddie. You're right. It's a movie about Queen and. So you're not going to be afforded, I guess, if if the rest of the story of Queen is that bland, then then yeah, this is the way to do it. No, I'm I'm, I'm not being, I'm not honestly being facetious. I mean, if the story of Queen and their history and their rise and their success and their backstory, if it's as bland as this movie puts it out there, then this is probably the best Queen movie you'll ever get. I, I tend to think that being a rock band that came out of nowhere in the 70s where there's tons of excess and all these creative things that they were doing. I tend to think there's, there's a story with more heart there, even if it doesn't dive in solely on Freddie. So, and I get that if it was a movie about Freddie, you could probably make a stronger biopic. Um, and you know, I think that's, I, I don't really, I'm not really saying that I wanted to see more about Freddie. I'm just, I wanted something more to latch onto something more, of a core that's there. And it, we've said it ad nauseum now, but it's, that's not what this movie was trying to do. Well, see, and I found it more refreshing to not dive into the, the drugs and alcohol and the sex piece of being on the road and, and through all that. Now they, they showed, they showed a significant amount of it. I thought of it, the parties, but yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they show that it was there, but I didn't, I didn't want the movie to be just that. No, I don't yeah, want it to be just that. It's almost like stereotypical band movie. No, I don't want it to be just that. But there, it was odd how a few, the the two band members, Roger and Brian, who are still around and who are involved in the movie, are kind of painted as, "Oh, I'm going to go back to my family now," <laughs> and they're just kind of hanging out in the background. They never do anything crazy. They're these goody two shoe guys, and Freddie's out there raging hard, which Freddie did. Don't get me wrong. I just have a hard time believing that. And by all accounts from everything I've read, that's not really how those guys were either. So it's just a really weird sanitized yeah. version of everything. But even the parties, I mean, the birthday party that they show of Freddie's, at Freddie's house, that yeah. was the PG version of what happened at that party. That party was, it's, it's sort of legendary in rock circles. I mean, he had midgets walking around with mirrors taped to their head with lines of Coke on them walking around the party. So there's all these, and again, you don't have to go into that, but there, there's more here to all of, all of queen. I think not just Freddie, all of queen that just nobody really wanted to explore. 
yeah, and and like we mentioned, was the uh, you can tell that that Queen was involved in this, and they wanted to make sure that they're painted in a good light. They also, uh, how many of the conversations did they have with Freddie that maybe they they seem very open with him and his one sexuality to uh, him having AIDS uh, and even his lifestyle that they were all okay with all. And maybe they were, I don't know, but all very accepting. Um, but when they're, when they're telling the story, you know, they don't want to be painted in a, yeah. in, in a poor light. Yeah. They're not going <laughs> to put in the movie if there was a scenario where right. one of them like called him a slur or something like that. Right. That's something they're going to leave out. Or didn't want to contract AIDS, you know, by right. hugging him right. or sharing a microphone or anything that was happening in the eighties that people were scared about. Right. You know, that weren't going to show any of that. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, do you agree that it's definitely... I kept using the word sanitary, right? Or sanitized. It, it feels like a very cleaned up version of the story of Queen. Yeah, I think I, I described it as safe. It, yeah. It was, it was a safe story. Yeah, the whole movie is safe. Right. Yeah. And that's why when I give my answer for how I like it, I'm like, it's fine. The movie as a whole, it's fine because it's it's safe. It's all those things that we've said. It's produced by Queen. It doesn't really go deep on anything. But my, again, I, it didn't resonate emotionally with me at all i just always felt like we're just moving along hit to hit album to album song to song with a little bit of nuggets here and there about mainly freddie that you just can't ever really latch on to anything it's truly like the difference between listening to an album of queens where you might have one or two of those really iconic songs on there but you might have seven or eight other songs and some of them are kind of bad and some of them are also really good and they're hidden gems and you by listening to those with all the flaws and everything that could be there and the non-hits, you develop more of a connection with the band. Whereas when you listen to greatest hits, you're just you're always on this high of um, you know, going from another one bites the dust to We Will Rock You to Don't Stop Me Now to We Are the Champions to Bohemian Rhapsody. When you do that, it's hard to appreciate those hits for what they are because you don't have any of the lulls in between of well, that song really sucked and that made this song feel really better. And there's Equating that to this movie, there's none of those moments where things go, you know, deeper or lower to appreciate those highs a lot more. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Um, I am okay with not having the the lows in a movie like this. Um, like I said, I, I keep saying I think it did what they intended to do, which wasn't a you know a dark version of Queen. Yeah, and. Maybe as a reintroduction to Queen to the world. Right. And I don't want it to be misconstrued that I wanted things dark. And uh, I get deep. You're, yes, yes, deep. I, I want some kind of conflict and tension that, that shows the band and how they overcame things and how they went through their creative process. And I guess that kind of brings me back full circle to that the question I asked you a little bit ago of, can you ever really divorce yourself from your expectations? And, and I think the more I think about that, the more I, I, I lean towards no. Because even something as simple as lighting or, um, you know, character development. Some people are okay with light character development in any movie that they see. Some people are want their movies to be bright and glowy. So how can you ever really divorce yourself from what you want a movie to be between what it is? So, like, if if I go watch a movie that's filmed really, really bad and I'm supposed to rate it for what it is... Wouldn't every movie be 10 out of 10? I mean, I know there's some well, there's some sort of technical scale where it's, you know, the assembly of a movie and stuff. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's where I think it's really hard to, to separate your preferences from what you think of a movie. I think people were, especially when you get, like, Oscar buzz and things like that before it comes out, they were looking for that stereotypical Oscar movie of getting really, and I keep using dark, you know, of this other side, you know, and just want to see somebody get tormented and then coming back out, uh, in the, you know, in the line, or maybe not, maybe, maybe not coming back out, you know, into redeem redemption. But I feel like that's what people expect when they hear the Oscar buzz and they, and they see things about that, not just a movie that they can sit and enjoy and, and follow the ride and then be done. I don't think this movie really had Oscar buzz though. Uh, well he did. Well, right. He may have, but like the movie, but but I, but I think that's what you expect. But I you think, think you get that from any biopic. I think any biopic almost by default 
of a certain, get, you know, at least but, of a certain quality. Like people are like, oh, well, you're dressing up as you're you're doing a true story of this person. You, you, it's probably going to be pretty good, or if they do good, it's probably going to be up for an Oscar. But usually, most of those take him to a a darker place. Like I, I can't think of one that didn't. Have... Well, but that's that's kind of like the hero's journey, right? That you can apply to not just biopics, but I mean, because biopics have a formula. Walk sure. hard made fun of musical biopics, you know, <laughs> right. hilariously. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there always needs to be some sort of conflict that the hero of the story needs to overcome. Well, speaking of conflict, how did you feel about the bad guy in this? Uh, Paul was that his name? Uh, that's what I was trying to look. His at. boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. it was fine. I, I clearly don't... the band did not like Paul. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I'm sure that's. True. I mean you. Yeah, but he he was he got more sinister as the right as the movie. But went that's on. another one of those walk hard biopic formula things that we've talked about in the past, where we even brought it up in A Star Is Born, right? Right. When she yeah. comes off the stage, the evil manager. Yeah, there's yes. always that guy, and, and this guy wasn't the manager. He was the evil boyfriend, but he tried to be the manager. Right. So yeah, I I was okay with that, but again it stereotypical yeah now i was just trying to think uh, as i was watching it was how much of his character is real and how much of it is the right. surviving members perception of this sure guy. and you know I, I i try not to hold truthfulness against biopics too much like i, I hope that they're not egregious but i don't expect them to be 100 percent accurate that's i don't think because that always that no, doesn't sure. always make for a good movie no i agree but it needs to be well, it needs to be accurate where it's easy to be accurate. Like, don't change things unnecessarily. And it needs to it needs to get the essence across. And it should want you to dive deeper into things, I think. So I, I saw a comparison a while back. Um, 538 did, I think, did this. But they compared, like, the truthfulness of biopics. And, like, Selma was 90-something percent accurate. And... I want to say maybe like imitation game was like, like 10, four, 10, 10 or <laughs> one of them. I can't remember. I could be unfairly criticizing imitation game, but it was very, very inaccurate. And I think that plays in a little, nobody, Brave, Braveheart, <laughs> nobody wants to be duped, right? Like yeah. you at least want to think that what you're seeing is for the most part, by and large accurate. And I think this movie, it probably was pretty good. I think there's some in, I know there's some inaccuracies I should say, but I don't think they were egregious. Maybe besides the AIDS thing, that was pretty bad, but everything else I think is probably small and not a big deal. Like don't care necessarily that the songs were play at, played out of order. Most people aren't going to yeah. recognize that. So, and I, I didn't care about that. Yeah. But again, not a queen mega fan. Right. So in terms of, uh, the Oscar buzz you were talking about, so where where do you land on Rami Malek then? I thought he did phenomenal. Yeah? Uh, I really enjoyed his performance. Okay, so what does that mean? Do you think he'll get nominated? Do you think he has a chance to win? Uh, I don't I don't know if he has a chance to win because I don't know who he's up against. But... Well, I'm just saying from what you've seen out of performances that you've seen this year, I, I know we got, we're just now hitting Oscar stretch, so right. all things considered. From the movies that I've seen that could be considered, yes. I think he has one of the better performances this year. I definitely think he'll be nominated. Now, whether he wins or not, I don't know. Do you think he'll get white boy ricked in the sense that um, good performance, but if the movie's not generally uh, applauded, that that might prevent him from getting in? Well, I think it is being applauded. I I applaud it. And from what I've seen, many share my... Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, from what I've seen, it's, it's not a five-star movie. Right. Um, but it's a really good movie, and I thought he has a, a great performance in a good movie. Yeah. That's how I... Most I people I've out. seen have been between, like, threes and fours. And there's been, obviously, there's some on the extreme who love it, and there's some on the extreme who did not love it. But I think, generally speaking, it's been three, three to four. Well, I guess, knowing what you know about biopics in the past, like Ray, Walk the Line, and Oscars in general, and knowing that Bohemian Rhapsody really stayed more formulaic like it, it really lived inside of the biopic formula it didn't try to do anything to go beyond that well so so who are we really talking about right now we know of what maybe bradley cooper and we have potentially ryan gosling i think it's much much more likely to be gosling in first man uh yeah you know i generally i haven't really th- processed oscar neither have i i'm just coming up with this off the top of my head (laughs) and i know there's going to be a lot coming in the next month or two so yeah i I don't know um is he similar similar performances as bradley cooper 
in uh, A Star is Born, yes, I, I could see them both being nominated. Um, I could see it going either way. Uh, well, if you um, had to pick, who would you pick it, right now? Um, I enjoyed A Star is Born because I was surprised more. But I, I really thought he did a great... I, I would give it to him as an actor. Yeah, for sure, Malik. Over Bradley Cooper. Over Bradley Cooper. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know who else has had a better performance so far this year that, yeah. I, would, that I would give it to than, than him. Yeah, I haven't thought about it. I thought he was good. Um, I... I don't know what or Brolin. Uh, I don't know. Or Brolin as Thanos. Uh, is either give it to Brolin or Malik. One well, of the two. Well, yeah, you had to clarify because Brolin had back to back to back movies. <laughs> movies. Um yeah, I, I I thought Malik was really good. I, I can't decide whether I liked him more when he was off stage Freddy or on stage Freddy. Because um, I thought he did a good job at both. I mean, on stage he had the preening and the posturing oh, yeah. down incredibly well. And that had to be really really hard freddie kind of moved like yeah. nobody else really well he as soon as he got offered the part he flew on his own dime to to england and got his his movement training he started yeah. immediately as soon as i was trying to mimic yeah uh, freddie which apparently he was doing for years because the movie kept dragging out and yeah he, he wasn't attached to it for as long but yeah he, yeah he did a really good job i just i'm curious as to whether the movie's going to let him down. I I think that I think he did the best with what he was given. And I think it's a little unfortunate that the movie stayed so surface level and so generic because had it gone a little bit more the other way, I think he'd be getting a lot more praise cuz he he just didn't have a lot of opportunities to really flex his muscles and but when he did it worked like when he's talking to his uh wife when he finally comes out or says mm-hmm. he's at least bisexual. I mean, that was a really good scene. The the scene where it's the same scene I think where he talks about how they when he was playing the concert in Japan, he had no idea if anybody knew what he was saying and then they all started singing back to him. Yeah. You know, there there's some good things in there where he he does a lot with what he's given. He's just not given very much to go off of in terms of you know those transcendent performances that get you an Academy Award. Right, the clip that they show at at the ceremony of why you're being nominated. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to have one of those mo- one thing that you can right to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, kudos for him. I know he, he kind of sang and they also kind of used Freddie's vocals and they also kind of used a, a person from a queen tribute band. Yeah. And I didn't expect him to sing at all. Yeah. I, if, if people knock him for not singing, then that's ridiculous. <laughs> I think all the performances were Freddie and then like the, uh, recording and trying to figure it out where him, yeah. him and the other guy right together or yeah him at the piano because for sure live aid was full Freddy. straight the live aid performance from yeah. from the band that wasn't him by any means and since we're there i know you mentioned that it had a really strong ending so yeah i, I loved it I, I loved the live aid and i loved that it kept going uh i thought we were gonna get him walk out and him do a a 20 second spot of one of the songs at live aid and kind of cut, cut to black or whatever. Uh, I'm glad we got what we think 10 minutes, uh, of the live aid performance. Yeah. Cause of, they about. cut, they cut out. It's like a 15 or 20 minute performance. Yeah. And they, and they dropped a few songs they dropped from two, it. I think two songs. Yeah. I think it was about half of it. And I thought it was great. And I love that they kept going, <laughs> kept going with it. And I was like, when are they going to cut this? But I'm glad that they're not. Cause yeah. I, I wanted to see more. Yeah, and so basically, it's basically a Queen concert, which I was wanting to see. Right, <laughs> you know? and, and see, I was the opposite. I I thought that it felt like an epilogue, an addendum to the end of the movie, and it was fine. It it just it didn't have that emotional feeling to me, right? Of like, I, I know what you're trying to tell me that he just told him he has AIDS. This is their one last big hurrah. They've all been they've been broken up, which like all three of those things are not really true. Sure, but. But so, well, then it almost kind of makes it worse, right? Because it's not true and you sort of fudged it and then it still didn't have the emotional. So like, if you're going to fudge it and for free do though, but, but it did for me, but it did for me. Yeah, yeah. no. And I'm speaking yeah. just for me that like, and did you know that they fudged it before you saw it? Like as it was watched, like, what? You, you, I kn- like you knew the order of events. Before. I knew that he was not diagnosed with AIDS before, before that live AIDS. Yeah. Okay. So I, I knew that they were setting that up and eh, that's fine. Yeah. Again, I get it because. You, you you sort of can't make a queen movie without addressing that 
and to just throw it on at the end of the credits would have been sort of tacky. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he, yeah. he died of AIDS and so in 1991. I, <laughs> again, it's egregious, but I sort of kind of get it. But if you're going to do it, like, give it something. Give it some oomph. And it just, the Live Aid performance was supposed to be this big triumphant moment for everybody involved. And I get that they were trying to communicate that to me. It just, it didn't resonate with me. So that was one of the problems I had with it. The other problem was, by that time, I was, I was kind of queened out. Honestly, and that comes from the fact that they they soundtracked the whole movie. The whole movie was Queen, right? And that's just too much. I I, I think was, I don't rightfully need, so. There's I don't so need many songs that they have. No, I know, but, but you want to hear them? No, but that's fine. Again, it goes back to the greatest hits concept. But that doesn't necessarily make a good movie for me. When when you hear the Queen songs, when they're impactful, when they're playing, or when they're coming up from them, that's awesome. But when they're walking into an office building and you're playing under pressure, like I, I don't, I don't need that. That doesn't, that doesn't help. That doesn't add it. So, like I've heard all this Queen. I like, I like that. Yeah, I didn't. It, I was like, oh yeah, we've pressure. heard all this, <laughs> all this one. Queen stuff. All it's just Queen, 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 Queen. And then when you try and give me a ten or fifteen minutes performance, and then I'm like, all right, guys, like I'm kind of kind of queened out kind of want this over with and it sort of had to do with the fact that it wasn't overly emotional so i just felt like i was kind of listening to a greatest hits album that it wasn't this triumphant moment that they wanted it to be and it just felt kind of tacked on at the end i i truly think that if they had not used so much queen music it would have been more poignant just you don't have to have an entire movie i mean if i watch a movie about the beatles you don't have to have the beatles songs playing but see i think 24 7 in the I background think, i think that's what people go to see a beatles movie about is to hear beatles music i don't think same, so same with with queen you want to hear the music well, but you can you can give them lots of music right you could have the montage in the middle where they're going their tour around the world and play all the queen you want there you can have it when they do the studio and then they cut to the performance that, that's fine but what i'm saying is when you're just having normal scenes of people walking in the background and going through parties or whatever it is that where the band's not playing or that it's not meaningful you don't have to have queen being the soundtrack to the movie that's yeah. that it's too much at that point i don't it, think so i i thought it, it was good to I mean, they didn't, there were like two lines of under pressure that they threw in there. No, but that's one example of once on They yeah. continue to do that the whole time. So again, again, I think it all depends on what you're, what you want from the movie. And to me, I, I don't need to be inundated. I know I'm seeing a queen movie. It's apparent. I bought the ticket. I know what the story is. I want to hear some queen songs and I, I'm okay with hearing a decent amount of queen songs. I just don't think that the non-musical parts really need to be all everything like i again I'll, I'll use michael jackson if i go see a michael jackson movie i don't want like whenever he's hanging out at his house in neverland ranch to have his own music playing in the background I, I don't i don't need that it doesn't need to be scored by michael jackson just like this movie doesn't need to be scored by queen it needs it needed some other kind of music to give you a break so that you can appreciate when you do hear those songs it's it's so much cooler to hear the songs when they're poignant and have relevance and when you're hearing just nonstop queen it's like yeah I got it. So the, I, the other thing with Live Aid, the effects, they they needed to not film it the way that they filmed it. Well, I think they were just mirroring the way that it was filmed. Oh, they might. Sure. But the difference is the TV was live and it's real people, not sure. a recreation of terrible CGI crowds. That's That's not the it, same. True. I mean, but to have a crowd that size, you can't do it real <laughs> no but the thing is is you can film things in a way that's different like maybe get that one initial shot of the crowd right and maybe one more but they stayed in the concert so long and they felt the need to do all these overhead shots and all these other swooping shots that it really made the cgi stick out whereas if you if you keep it tightened on like everything from the stage when you're looking at the band is fine and everything when you're looking out from the stage to the crowd is fine well, it, it's virtually a shot-for-shot shot remake of the Live Aid concert. Right, but you've got to know when you've got the right tools to pull that off. Well, yes, it didn't look real so much, but I was okay with it. Yeah, uh, see, I, I and again, I, it didn't it didn't necessarily bother me from like, oh, I'm going to knock a bunch of stars off. It was just more of like, this is just another thing in the bucket of average filmmaking a smarter filmmaker would have said let's get a couple of those key cgi shots and not dwell on them because we know it's kind of iffy 
Whereas we know Brian Singer just embraces bad CGI shots. That's all the last few X-Men movies have been. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is a, a more skilled, I mean, look what they did with, and I, and I get that the scale of the crowd is not the same between a star is born and, uh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. But if you think about it, they didn't really show the crowd a whole lot in a star is born, but it still made you feel like they were performing in front of a large crowd. So give a few of those. Oh, yeah. Cause they're at Coachella. Yeah, yeah. Give a few of those epic shots to set the scale and then don't come back to them because they don't look good. But the more you keep showing them and showing them like, Oh, those are bad. And that's what ended up happening. The more those concerts stretched on, I was like, it didn't take away from it. It's just sort of like singer. What are you, what are you doing? What are you guys? That's bad filmmaking. Don't do that. And that was the first scene that they shot. Uh, oh, that was, they started with live aid. Which is weird to me, because from a filming perspective, you'd think that the characters would come into their own yeah. after being them for, for so long, right. and, you, and you would want that to be, you know, after you've well, been prob- Freddie Mercury for a year yeah. you know, in filming. I'm guessing but, they had to do it because of the time, because nothing else in this movie really warranted any CGI, right? So you probably needed to get to get that done that right? done and that get it sense. out in the post-production and do all the effects didn't think of that of yeah. why you would do that but i was like that's interesting that they chose you know yeah to, to walk on and say okay you be freddy now that's you one know? thing that's always bizarre to me I just conceptually being somebody who's never been involved with movie making right and it has always been on the watching side of it that movies are not filmed in the order in which they are <laughs> right presented it just it just doesn't feel right and you would think that from a director standpoint, you would want to film them in order in case you need to tweak something yeah. that wouldn't make sense later. I guess that's why they just have reshoots, right? Because uh, you, Oh yeah, we changed that. So he shouldn't have a mustache here, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, isn't there somebody, I think there's a, I don't know the name of it, but I think there's people like dedicated on movie sets who are responsible for continuity, oh, like yeah. the placement of things, the, yes. the way mustaches are trimmed and all that kind of stuff. One last thing. We we mentioned this in the cast, but I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, Mike Myers? I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I'm glad he had such a one-off role that he wasn't a central character to the movie. Um, I thought it was it was fun to have him as a cameo. I think the band enjoyed him having a cameo because of what he did for them, you know, in Wayne's world and brought them back, um, essentially. I guess they didn't really go away, but brought that song you know new life yeah Um, oh it completely introduced it to a whole new generation yeah and i even i didn't think it was cringeworthy when they they did the the nod to the people head banging in their cars yeah Uh, where he said this is a song this is not a song that people are going to bang their heads to or teenagers are going to bang their heads to driving around yeah it was very on the nose but i didn't cringe or anything it was just no i thought that that was a good role for them to throw him into yeah and so and it was it was just enough to you got Mike Myers in there and then be done with it. So yeah. I, so I th- I thought it was good. I liked it. All right. Um. So before we go into our kind of wrap up and our questions, uh, what's your favorite Queen song? Um. I have to say another one bites the dust. I yeah. think. I think that's uh, when he started playing that. I was, I was like, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, the baseline there. Oh, that's yeah, a and, disgusting baseline. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. I yeah. did, just to have, hear him play that it was just awesome. And I was like, yep, I think that's it. Yeah. And I think that's part of where I would have liked to have seen a little bit more about the band, too, is that I know there are iconic songs. And, and my God, the iconic songs are beyond iconic. Yeah. You know, we talked about this in the preview, but We Will Rock You is so simple. Yeah. that it feels like it's ingrained in anybody born after it was released. Like it's just in their DNA. You know, that, that rhythm, that pattern, another one bites the dust, you know, that, that is, that baseline yeah. is just so perfect. Like it couldn't have been anything else, but I would have liked to have seen more of some of the other songs, some of the not so popular songs. Like how did they come up with those? Because they, they have a huge catalog. Oh yeah. But I get it. You want to see the greatest hits. So what's yours? Um, oh, I, my, my favorite queen song has, wandered over the years um as with anything right your, your taste changed but i think I, if right now i had to pick i'd say don't stop me now which i didn't get until the credits they played that at, was the credit song the yeah and, and so that's the thing at the credits is i wish that they would have played a a scene of freddie that they used in the movie and so of him dressed up in one of the outfits or one of the performances that they used in the movie, just so you could see kind of a comparison of the two. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, the, you always it, like to see that in biopics, right? Yeah. yeah you you want to see the real guys and then, but I felt like they used it. 
that song was in between, like they jumped hairstyles and they jumped. So between the uh, the long hair yeah. and the the really short hair, that's when that that song yeah uh, was shown. And it's like we never saw him dressed like that. So then you're left with he doesn't really look like Freddie Mercury, right? You know, opposed to you put them both in the same garb. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, like, he does a really good job. I always like the biopics, to end, and probably the best movie that has done this in recent memory was Disaster Artist, right? Where they take <laughs> the side the, by the side. characters and they do the side. Because how great would that have been with Queen, right? Like you're playing a song and you see Brian May like on the left performing it and you see the guy on the right performing it. Even if it was just the Live Aid concert, right? You don't have to play the Live Aid music over the top of it. But, you know, just to show you, I mean... I like it when they show off how good they were at casting or how good right. they were at recreating those things. Like I would have loved to have seen a split screen of Freddie strutting around the stage with Rami sh- strutting around the stage, like right. perfect skills. You're like, Oh my God, that's incredible. You know, that's, so I don't know why they didn't, why they didn't do that. It seems like that's the low hanging fruit that you could get some easy kudos out of off of biopic. Yeah. You could have played another song over it. So you're not just, yeah. you're not just replaying what you just saw at the yeah. end of it, but, but yeah, have them together. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I thought that was a little bit of a miss. I was like, okay, we have a new song that we haven't heard yet, but, I haven't seen any of these outfits. I haven't seen any of these hairstyles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were all across the board. So yep. I thought that was a little bit of a mess. Yep. So I, I agree with you. All right. So let's go into it then. All uh, right. What'd you rate it and why? I gave it a four. I gave it a four. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I thought it was just, it was a, it was a good fun movie that I, I loved. Um, again, all the songs that they, the origins of the songs, I thought it, it was great. Um, I didn't need to feel depressed during the movie. Um, didn't have that, that pull. There were a lot of emotional scenes that I thought they did well. They could have done more with those. Um, like him and his dad, you know, that was a great scene. Uh, they kind of jumped around with that. Uh, they, they could have spent the whole movie focused on his relationship with his dad if they wanted to. But that end scene with him, dad, his dad giving a hug, you're like, oh God, where'd that come from? Right. It was you know, rushed. It just kind of came out it, of nowhere. It came out of nowhere, yeah. but but also emotionally, I came like I wasn't ready to. Yeah. It was like, oh, wow, you know, his dad's crying got got me, <laughs> got me going. Uh, but no, I gave it a four. I I really enjoyed it. Okay. We're gonna mix it up today. Oh, okay. I'm gonna tell you what I rated and why. Okay. All right. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. Then. Yeah. All so right. I gave it a three. Um, it, it, I've said enough reasons why, honestly, it just, it didn't quite get into that Ray straight out of Compton walk the line level for me. It stayed too safe. Vanilla made the comparison that it's like a visual greatest hits. Uh, I think I made the comparison in my review that it feels like a rock being skipped across a pond. You're just kind of skipping from one thing to another. And as opposed to like taking a deep plunge into something, Another comparison that I don't think I came up with, I think I heard or read it somewhere, but it felt like a, a visual Wikipedia entry. I think I said that it felt like the screenplay was based off of the Wikipedia, so somebody just went down and wrote the key events. So, Which is a weird criticism that you have, right, that when we just did First Man Podcast, and that's exactly what they did, was they took a long period of time and they just came by and hit the the big points. It felt just no emotion, just kind of hit all the events of Neil Armstrong and that movie was what a four and a half. Did you give it? Yeah. And then, th- and this one you bring it a three and your criticism to that movie was, well, was right. The, is the same thing that they did. So here, here's my response to that. My response would be is that if you're going to not dive deep, you better have a good emotional story, right? You better have something that, that resonates. I did not feel like Bohemian Rhapsody had that, connection for me or that resonance for me i did feel like first man did i did feel that connection where you know he lost his daughter and that's driving him and and the fear of getting into those space shuttles every night and or every time and not knowing whether you were going to come back or not and the kind of the the crazy sense of relief he had when he finally achieved his mission of getting to the moon those were very good emotional connections for me with that movie. With this movie, I didn't have that connection. That's truly what sets it apart. And I I did feel like you got to see a lot of how Neil Armstrong was as a person, where you didn't get to see that here. This was more about the events and Queen and not, like you said, not really about Freddie the person or the band as the people. It was about the band moving through its milestones. So it's a different feel for me. And I completely disagree with you again because I I think that 
you got a lot more of Freddie than you did about Neil. And I think you got more emotion with Freddie than you ever got well, with, with, with Neil. That's a little bit different, though. You're, you're talking about somebody who, in real life, was insanely stoic, insanely reserved. I'm by saying all in, in the entire in the entire movie, right? But, but that's not his fault. That's who he was. Whereas Freddie was ultra flamboyant, ultra out there. Of course, it's going to be way more fun to see a movie about Freddie because Freddie was larger than life. I mean, there, there's. You you are literally almost comparing opposite ends of the human persona. <laughs> True. On that, yes. so yeah. I won't even remotely argue that it's it should be easier to connect with Freddie than with Neil Armstrong. But what I will say is, kudos to Damien Chazelle because I think he made it easier to connect to what was happening to Neil Armstrong than what Brian Singer and these guys did with Freddie Mercury. I think they took one of the most iconic frontmen of all time and sort of put him in this safe like you said or i'll say sanitized vanilla kind of movie and it's like man how did you do that you took you took freddy and made it kind of just feel like eh. no so i would i would kind of flip that and say that 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 points to how much of a better written and filmed movie first man was than this and everything that you said but reversed for my feelings on this movie versus first man because first man was boring to me and you felt nothing throughout the entire movie and this what you had you had a lot more to latch on to. And, and I knew... I what, don't think this movie had more heart. Now, it gave you more fun stuff to latch on to because it's playing a bunch First of music Man and was concerts. trying to show you more heart and they, and I, and they failed, which, which was your criticism, was it didn't, have, it didn't hit on the emotional stuff. No, I said it was a little too monotone, but after thinking about it, that I realized that that was more of a reflection of who Neil was as a person. But yes, I, I did say, and I still believe they could have made it connect a little bit more, but it doesn't mean it didn't connect at all. Whereas I feel like Bohemian did not connect emotionally. It, it's only, it's only emotion is let's have fun. But the people in the movie aren't even having fun. It's only fun because you're just hearing nonstop Queen songs and everybody loves Queen songs. Everybody does love Queen songs. Right. So it let the music carry it. First Man did not have that luxury. Didn't have the luxury of an eccentric main character. Didn't have the luxury of an entire album of rock hits to keep the audience occupied. So it, it let those things kind of buoy how good of a movie it was. First man had none of that, which is why it's a better movie. Which is why Uh, it's a better movie. So what's one thing that you would change? Wait, you skipped over favorite moments. Can't just go Uh, changing orders on everybody. Oh, well you're changing formats. I change change formats. Let's not change. (laughs) All right. Only only one executive decision (laughs) per podcast episode. All right. So what's your favorite moment then? I mentioned it earlier. I really like the moment where he talks about the concert in Japan and how he was up on stage. Cause you always see Freddie as this like ultra confident guy. I mean, they show that from the minute one and then for him to admit that he didn't know if anything was resonating with anything in that crowd. And then all of a sudden they just started singing every word of that love of my life song. Right. And I thought that was a cool touch. I don't know if that's true or anything, but it was a good, cool, cool moment. Yeah. How about you? Favorite moment? I love the live aid concert. Uh, I love the, the up and to it and then add it. And then I'm, I'm sad that it ended when it did. I mean, um, but no, I thought they did that perfectly. It was crowd, <laughs> crowd effects aside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to feel the same way and I don't want to act like live aid. I mean, that was really, really cool. My problems with the live aid are all from a filmmaking standpoint, but like the band's performance, the fact that they chose to recreate it, my problems are more with live aid as it connects to the rest of the movie, not like in isolation, because I think in isolation, aside from the effects and the technical filmmaking, I think it it was a good scene. And I think it's going to go a long ways to, it's going to leave on a high note with a lot of people. And that goes a long ways to having people forget why the middle half of the movie might just have been skipping around. Right. So what's one thing you would change? Uh, You got to give it a stronger thread uh, there's no core story that unites the whole band or that unites the whole thing that that pays off in the end it's just sort of it's kind of scatterbrained like you mentioned the, the stuff that comes up at the dad they kind of set that up in the beginning but then it just goes away for the whole movie and then it comes back in the end and it feels really rushed as does his relationship with the guy that he takes to meet his dad like that just i get it but it needed some sort of core fiber throughout the whole movie they yeah. didn't have that yeah it's like they wanted to introduce his boyfriend at some point yeah but, but he really didn't come along till later right <laughs> you know and so, so how do we get him in you know, towards the end yeah totally uh, yeah uh what's one thing you would change 
Uh, I was really looking forward, and I didn't know the timeline on any of it or when they were going to stop the movie. But I was looking forward to a uh, a jam session with Christopher Lambert. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Trying to come up with Princes of the Universe for for Highlander because I think <laughs> that may have outside of like We Will Rock You that that was one of the first songs that I knew was Queen. You know, from from that movie of uh, Highlander. And so, I'm yeah. Like, and so, Highlander was after Live Aid. It was after Live Aid. Yeah. yeah. So we never got to that point, right? <laughs> so I was like, "Who are they going to cast as Christopher Lambert?" You know, I was really. I will say <laughs> that that opening of Highlander is just something else altogether because I, I never saw it as a kid. The first time I saw Highlander, I mean, I think I'd maybe seen bits and pieces, but it was probably like ten years ago. I think maybe Kill was probably around that age. Yeah. So I uh, I turned it on and queen just comes out of nowhere yeah. on the opening title you're like what is happening here well it was mostly that the series that i heard it every week on <laughs> the, the the series it opened the yeah the, the series the highlander and so <laughs> I, I got i got to know that song pretty well yeah uh theater or couch i think it's a theater movie i think you want to hear any concert movie in a in a theater yeah i I agree with that. I mean, it's a queen. If I'm going to say it's a queen's greatest hits album, I'm not going to tell you to watch it out of your, you know, TV speakers. <laughs> right. You know, go go listen to it. Uh, so I guess that means we're both paying for it. We're both paying for it. Yeah. Yes. Popcorn movie or art house film? I think we're in agreement of uh, this is a popcorn movie. Yeah. I, I think had it gone more Ray or Walk the Line, you'd be dipping into a little bit of art house i don't even think those are really art no house. i no they they aren't art house but like you would have been could you have you would have been I think skewing so. that way i think you could have made a freddie mercury movie with no music and then try to get something <laughs> yeah. into you, you probably movie. could have i agree with that uh oscar Razzie. i think he could get an oscar yeah i think he could too um at, I for, at least nominated i forget yeah. how many they nominate but i don't think it's Six. out of the, yeah it sounds about right i don't I think, think so. it's out of the realm for them to get for him to get nominated i Chances are, I don't think he'll win, but. and that and I think we're in agreement of that's the only Oscar nod that this would get. I don't know, maybe sound something like that. Those aren't real Oscars. Well, yeah, they are. There's some <laughs> movies that you do really good with sound. I mean, but I would I would give it to A Quiet Place over this. Oh, sure. I would give it to First Man over this. Um, but it could be up for that. No, yeah. None of the other characters or actors. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to agree on this one too. If you liked Blank, you would like this movie. Yeah, I think we both said Rockstar. Yeah, with Mark probably for Mark. different reasons. Uh, okay, I'll let you go. Oh, I would just I picked it because Rockstar again. I feel like kind of stays surface level. It's like it's kind of based on a true story, loosely based on a true story. And this movie kind of gives that same loosely based on a true story. Like yeah, it's all kind of there, and we're kind of showing it. Whereas. I, I didn't feel like I could compare compare it to the other biopics I wanted to because I think those are so much better and they do go the route of like immersing you in Ray Charles' life or Johnny Cash's life. And this just doesn't do that. It's more about let's just stay surface level, greatest hits, have fun. And I feel like that's that's kind of what Rockstar was. So I picked Rockstar for a different reason. I, I definitely fit the question of if you liked Rockstar, you'll definitely yeah. like Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and I just... So I have a confession. I have to admit that I was wrong. Uh, we we talked about Rockstar. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, we, right. We talked about uh, Rockstar in a previous podcast, uh-huh. I believe, during A Star Is Born. That sounds right. And uh, I thought that Marky Mark had had sung most of the vocals. You know. Yeah. And I that. said none. And he, yes, that is correct. And so I knew that the the in some scenes that it didn't always match up to his, but I just thought they recorded it and then yeah put him over. So I recently watched, uh, actually this weekend, watched Rockstar after Bohemian, um, and I didn't like it as much not knowing that he didn't sing it. Yeah. And I thought that was a, I thought Marky Mark was capable of doing. No, I told you, Marky like Mark that. can only talk rap on he good vibrations. Oh, see, and that's all I've heard of Marky Mark. <laughs> I didn't know if he had this other side of him. No, that could do he doesn't even sing opera. the, he doesn't even <laughs> sing the uh, coffee shop at the end. That's not him either. Oh, that that I know. Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew that one because I know that song. Yeah, uh, but I thought that he, uh, I thought that he had done most of that, and that's why they cast him there. But yeah, so more disappointing on the rock star side. Uh, but it, and it's more of that stereotypical band life. Yeah, uh, that I'm glad that this one stayed away from. There are a lot of parallels between the two movies, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm glad they they focus more on that the lifestyle of of this and 
of that life, but sure. the lifestyle of that life. Um, but yeah, uh, but if you did like Rockstar, you definitely like this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is that it? I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, hour five on um, Bohemian Rhapsody is a, is a solid podcast episode, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, like usual, visit us at twoviewsmovies.com. Go out. The big thing you can do for us is hit the subscribe button in the Apple Podcast app or Google Play so that you get new episodes downloaded to your phone every time that we release them. You don't have to go chasing them on our website or wait for us to say it on Facebook or Twitter. It just gets pushed right to your phone. And I think what we have coming up in the next few podcasts, we have... Uh, probably a preview episode. We've got Overlord. Overlord, yeah. That's, we that's may sneak in a bonus Spider's Web. We don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll have a dragon tattoo. Yeah, yeah we'll have a uh, retro coming up sometime yeah. soon. And Creed Two. And Creed Two. So that's that's what you have to look forward to That'll coming be up a from four us. Four hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, you'll have plenty of time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas to really digest our, <laughs> our Creed Two thoughts. <laughs> All right, but yes, go out and subscribe. Make sure you like us. And oh, and, and widows. Widows, yes, yes. That, like I forgot about Widows, yeah. Yeah. But um, again, now I get to say it three times. Three, go out and subscribe and make sure you like <laughs> the podcast, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>